We've been in our series, uh, we began at the beginning of the month called March Madness, uh, mirroring the college basketball championships, which at this juncture has been canceled. <clears throat> but we're not canceling our series. We're keeping on with our series. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> let me encourage you, keep praying for your final four. Uh, and I, I wouldn't even wait until the end of the month to invite them to come to church. One positive thing that has come out of this situation is people are a lot more open to their future and wondering, uh, is my heaven secured for me? You know, people are much more sensitive right now and open to discussion that. So I want to encourage you, as God opens doors that way, to, to be bold and, and, and speak about the name of Jesus and encourage them to come to church with you next Sunday. Uh, today, I want to begin by telling you a story. When I was a young teen, which was just a few years ago, uh, I was on the, the, the basketball team from our projects, and uh, this one particular game we were playing at home. Uh, so it was in our park, and uh, the team we were playing was the best team in the league. And they were in first place, and so they came in, and we were warming up, and typically in, in warm-ups, uh, they would form what you would call a layup line. So each team uh, had 11 players, and you're just dribbling, and you lay, lay the ball up into the hoop, right? There you go. See, you can tell it's been a while since I've been playing. <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're doing our layup line. And all of a sudden, we heard a noise, and we turned, and the other team was doing their layup line. But there was a big difference. Every player, after he laid up the ball, would smack the backboard. Now, no one on our team can jump that high to touch the backboard, let alone smack it. Every player on their team would lay the ball up and bam, hit the backboard. And in those days where, where I lived, the backboard was made out of metal, as they are in a lot of our parks. Uh, so you could hear that sound, bam. And a couple of those guys would do it with both hands. They lay it up and bam. And we all stopped. And we looked at that. And our mouth dropped open. And we knew we were going to get our butt kicked. And sure enough, we got destroyed. And that's because we lost the game before it even began because we just couldn't believe, every one of us couldn't believe that we could wind up winning. You may have heard various versions of this expression, but it goes like this. If you think you're going to lose, you'll probably find a way to do it. In other words, one thing that is so important to be successful in sports is you have to have a winning attitude. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your team. You have to have this confidence because that is crucial to your success. After all, nobody wants to play going in believing that they're going to lose. 
right? You want to have that confidence. And just so that we're all on the same page, here's what uh, Webster defines the word confidence as a, a, a firm belief or a trust in. That's what the word confidence means, ha- having a firm belief or a trust in. And you've got to have confidence or trust in yourself, in your team, if you're going to be successful. But even more importantly than that, you have to have confidence in your coach. You have to believe, you have to trust that he is going to make the right decisions at the right time that are going to help you be successful. When a team loses confidence in its coach, the team goes into disarray. And the reason for that is if, if I or if the 11 players don't have trust, if they don't have any confidence in their coach, then every one of them is going to begin to think, I have to do something. I have to figure out what has to get done in order for our team to win. And so now you have 11 different mindsets going on, and everybody wants to, to follow their plan, and thus you have no plan, disarray. In fact, you see that a lot in professional sports, especially in professional basketball players. When a team loses confidence in a coach because all the players are under guaranteed contracts, you can't get rid of the players, so what do they do? They get rid of the coach, and they hire a new coach. It's called losing the locker room. When a coach loses the locker room, it's time for a change. Now, Spiritually, we've been uh, uh, comparing everything that we're learning from in sports or see going on in sports. We've been seeing that it mirrors a lot of what takes place in spiritually in our journey with Jesus Christ. And so spiritually, a winning mindset, confidence, is also crucial for us to be successful as children of God, as believers. And Especially, we have to have confidence in our coach, in our king, the one who manages our life. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. That word blessed means happy. To be envied, happy, to be envied is the one who trusts, has confidence in the Lord. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, how our confidence or our trust in the Lord leads to us being blessed, to being happy. And I want to begin right from the very beginning, and that's with our salvation. So number one in this, uh, talking about having a winning mindset, which means having confidence in Jesus Christ, number one is for our salvation. So listen to uh, what we have in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we, wor- uh, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Jesus, as Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. And then in Titus 
in chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, it says, He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will, that is a promise from God, inherit eternal life. So notice these two verses teach us that trust in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, not in personal morality. When you trust in personal morality, when you think, well, I'm a good person, that's why I'm going to go to heaven when, when I die, because I'm a good person. That's trusting in your personal morality. That's having confidence in yourself. Uh, the, notice Paul said, we don't put confidence in ourselves. We don't trust even in religion. We're not going to go to heaven because we are part of Belmont Assembly. Heaven help you if you think that that's going to happen, right? You don't go to heaven because you're Pentecostal or because you're Catholic or Baptist or whatever religion you can name. No one will enter into the gates of heaven based upon their religion. No, it's only through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence is in, that we are going to inherit eternal life. That's our salvation. Why? Because of our trust in Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Lord and Savior. So that's number one. It sounds simple, but it's important that we lay that foundation there, that, that a winning mindset as Christians is having, it's having our confidence in Jesus Christ for our salvation. And here's number two. It's for our sanctification. Now, that's a big word there, sanctification. Sanctification just simply means this, the process of you and I becoming holy or more like Jesus Christ in our character. Are you following me so far? So when you hear this word, this big word called sanctification, it just simply means that is the process by which you and I become more holy like Jesus Christ and his character. Now, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you Will, come on, everybody say will with me. That's a promise. Every time you see will in the Bible, there's a promise from God. Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In the same book in chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So now, so what did we just, what did we just read there? Well, having a winning mindset is putting our confidence in Jesus Christ for our salvation, knowing that I am saved not because I'm a good person, not because I'm a religious person. I'm saved because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work at the cross of Calvary. It's through his blood that my sins are forgiven. It's by God's grace that I'm saved. But once I am saved, I, be, I embark on this spiritual journey. And in this journey, God is, begins to change, to transform. Here's another big word that we like to use, to transform our character. Uh, maybe they can lower this uh, down just a touch on, on my mic. So there, it, God begins in the spiritual journey to change our character, to make us more like Jesus Christ. 
But now here's the thing that we got to recognize. God is the one that does the sanctifying. You and I, we can't change ourselves. You are as ornery as you've always been. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that. You're as ornery as you've ever been. And try as we might, we could never change ourselves. And it's not on us to change. God does the changing. But, and notice the Bible tells us that God is the one that gives us first the desire for change and then the power for change. God is the one that begins to work in our hearts and, and put in that desire to be different. God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to speak that way anymore. God, I, I want my attitude to change. It begins with desire, and then from desire, God gives us power to change. So it's not through human effort, but by the power of God's Spirit. And notice now that we can be confident of this. That once God begins working in you, he never stops. He is always working. Now, as we sang earlier, we sang that song, one of the lines in that song is, even when I can't see it, you're working. Now, that applies to us personally. You may not see God working in you. You may not be experiencing it. You may be looking at your life and saying, I, I don't know. I don't see any change in me. I don't feel like I'm any different. I, I, I'm still the same. You may think you're the same, but you're not. Because God is always working. This is a good place for you to say amen there. You missed out on that one. And again, even though you can't see it, it doesn't mean that God isn't working. The promise is he will carry out the work he began in you until the day Jesus Christ comes back. So that means this. Listen to me. Here's what that means. I may be mean and ornery today, but I won't be that tomorrow. In other words, wives, don't worry, don't fret. I know he's not the man you thought he was going to be. I know he's not no a saint. But he will be. You got to be patient. You got to believe. You have to have your confidence, not in him. You have to have your confidence in God because God has promised that he will continue working in all of us until the day Jesus Christ returns. Now, here's what that also means. Because we are all a work in progress, there's always a lot that God has to work in us. Until the day the Lord returns. Now, that may be to today. It may be 20 years from now. But there's work that has to get done at all. We are never at that place where God is not working in us. When, God, when you think that God is finished, that you have been perfected, that's when you realize, you should realize, uh-oh, I'm really in trouble because that means I got pride. That means God's still working in me or needs to work in me because I got a lot of things still going on here, you see. But the confident thing is don't be discouraged because uh, don't get down and beat yourself up because, well, I haven't seen any change. God is working. He's never not working. Amen? Yeah. Okay, God, I encourage you. All right. 
So in this winning mindset and being confident in Jesus Christ, it's number one, it's for our salvation. Number two, it's for our sanctification. Here's number three. It's for our guidance. Here's some familiar passage of scriptures, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he what? Will. Come on, there's a promise again. He will what? Show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means have full confidence in the Lord to guide you, to lead you. Don't put your trust in yourself. Now, here's where a lot of Christians get caught in the trap. They think they know better than God which way they should go. We often get into a, a trouble because we start making decisions that we feel are in our best interest. Even though the exhortation from the Bible is don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in yourself. Come on, turn to your neighbor, tell them that. Don't trust in yourself. Why? Because you think you know it all and you don't know it all. None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow, but God does. We all think, I know what's best for me. No, you don't. God does, but you don't. You think you know what's best for you, but you really don't. And that's why the exhortation of, from the Bible is don't trust in your soul. Don't depend on your own understanding. Your understanding, my understanding, it's limited. But God sees the things that we can't see. And that's why the exhortation is you've got to trust God with all your heart. You've got to be in that place where you look to the Lord for his direction. One of the things that we pray when we meet together as a leadership council is, God, we don't want to make decisions that are based upon our knowledge. We don't want to make decisions that are governed by even our past experience. We want to seek God because God has the path that we should take. God is the one that orchestrates our steps and tells, I know the path that you should take. Take this path. Now, here's the thing that I've noticed. When you take the path that you feel is best, you then have to follow that up by asking God to bless it. But when you take the path that God directs you to take, it already comes blessed. In other words, I... I I, I want this relationship, and I'm not waiting to talk to God. I think this is what's best. God, would you bless this relationship? You see, you see the picture? I have to ask God to bless the decision that I've made. God, this is the house that I want to buy. God, would you bless it? But you see, if God says, don't buy that house, I have something better for you, wherever God leads you, that already comes blessed. You don't have to ask God to bless it. It already comes blessed. So there's a big difference in there. And that's why the Bible teaches us don't trust in your own understanding. But with all your heart, if you seek God's guidance, he will tell you this is the path you need to walk in. And that path is already blessed. Now, 
in this winning mindset, where have our, we have our confidence in Jesus Christ. If I could uh, even just add in this moment in time that we're dealing with, there are a myriad of, of opinions of what we should do. And I understand that the Bible teaches us that we need to obey authority, the authority that's in place. Well, the governor has mandated that uh, you can't have uh, meetings that have more than 1,000 people. When I heard that, I said, okay, we're not there, so that means we can meet. See, if he had mandated that you have to have only no more than 100 people, then we would have to make a change. I would have honored that because the Bible teaches me to honor those that are in authority and to follow them. But where there is not that clear path, then the next most important thing is I want to talk to God. Because my future is not in anyone's hands but God's hands. And that's where I want to keep it. I want to keep our church's future in God's hands. So I would even encourage all of you, would you pray for the leadership of the church? Pray for the pastors. Pray for the leadership council, the deacons, the elders. Uh, what? We want to get the mind of the Lord. We want to seek God's face and be prepared. Say, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to handle? The church of Jesus Christ should be the beacon of light in this dark time. We are not to be people that are afraid. If God is guiding, why should we, we be afraid? But fear comes when we're guiding ourselves. Because then we're not sure if it's going to work out. We are hoping it's going to work out. We are asking God to make it work out. But when we are following God's path, we don't have to have any fear. Because we know I'm taking steps that he has directed me to take. In fact, that leads me to my final point. We have salvation, sanctification, guidance. Here's the fourth point, where we have this winning mindset. We have confidence in Jesus Christ for our protection our, or our deliverance. Listen to the 27th Psalm, beginning in the first verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain what? Confident. confident. Now, why is David confident? Look at verse 13. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. David recognized my confidence is in God. There's a lot of things going around me physically that would try to get me to be afraid. But my confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My confidence is in the God who is going to deliver me, who is going to save me. That's where my confidence is. That's where my trust is in. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, in verse 9. In fact, Paul, they were going through a, a very difficult time. Listen, in, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves ourselves. 
and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our what? Our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. In other words, the Bible is teaching us something here where, where we have the, the, this ability uh, to face this circumstance in a spiritual way. Are we in a difficult time? Yes. In the natural, is it scary? Yes. But we're not supposed to live by the spirit of fear. Now, we're not to be foolish. That's why we need to go to God and seek God for guidance. But having received this guidance, we need to recognize while others are fearful, we can be confident that our God will deliver, that our God will protect us. I was telling people someone before the meeting that we had to pick up some uh, items and we went to a Sam's Club. Uh, and it was on Friday in the middle of the afternoon, like I think it was 12 o'clock. And I was shocked at how many people were there. Usually when we go, it is totally empty. But this time around, it was so crowded. And then it dawned on me, everybody's panicking and just buying stuff. You know? In fact, you know, I mean, I, I don't mean to be funny with this thing, but it, it is funny that the biggest item that's disappearing off the shelves is toilet paper. <laughs> hmm. Like, if you got to self-quarantine for two weeks, why are you buying a year's worth of toilet paper? I just, you know. And, and there was a, a psychiatrist who was actually on television I was listening to, and he said, people are in panic mode. And when people are in panic mode, they start to do things that doesn't make sense. And he, and he used the other, as in toilet paper. You know, he said, what that has to do with it? Nothing. But, hey, you know, I may not have food to eat, but I got toilet paper. God help us. <laughs> Listen. We need to be wise, yes. But we need to be people of the faith, people of the word. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Why? Because if we look to him, he will protect us. He will deliver us. He's done it in the past. And as Paul said, he will do it again. Now, it's important we understand this. We do have an adversary called the devil and his army of demons. And their goal is to get you and I to lose confidence in Jesus. To drop our trust in him. In the, in the book of 2 Kings, we'll turn there in a moment to the 18th chapter. But here's the situation. Hezekiah was on the throne the king of Assyria had marched towards Jerusalem and surrounded the city uh, all around. Nobody in, nobody out. And he laid siege to it. And so here now the people inside the wall were wondering, how is this going to turn out? Hezekiah was telling the people, don't be afraid. God is going to deliver us. Well, 
We read in verse 19 of the 18th chapter, then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them, meaning the people, to give this message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? In other words, Hezekiah, I've got you totally surrounded. Nobody can come in. Nobody can go out. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of food. You're going to have to surrender to me. Why are you so confident? You have nothing to be confident in. Hezekiah didn't listen. Went to, to the Lord and just prayed. Listen, and he came back a second time in verse 30. Now talking to the people, don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. So in other words, now, now he comes back and he's wanting to talk to the people and say, don't let Hezekiah convince you to keep your trust in the Lord that by saying that this city is never going to fall into the Assyrian hands. Well, Hezekiah went before God in the temple and said, God, you hear what he's saying. You're the God of heaven and earth. He's saying, you can't deliver us. And God responds to the prophet, the king you see out there now, you're not going to see again. And sure enough, God goes out and slays the people. In fact, God did such a number on them, the king had to leave. And when he went back home, his own sons murdered him. You see, Hezekiah had his confidence not in his army, not in the walls of Jerusalem. His confidence was in the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and earth, you see. It's important, brothers and sisters, that we recognize God doesn't exempt us from trouble. It's important we recognize. I'm not talking about you and I are going to be living in a bubble and trouble's never going to come our way because that would be unbiblical. But here's what the Bible does teach us. As we read earlier, in the day of trouble, call upon me and I will rescue you. I will deliver you. In other words, God is saying trouble's going to come because trouble comes to everybody. But the one difference for the people of God is they have a God who sits on the throne of heaven, who is mighty to save, who with one word could eradicate every virus that ever existed, who can have a far superior enemy and destroy a far superior enemy. That's where our trust is in. See, that as we cry out to him, he will deliver. And there are times... As Paul found out, Paul got to a point where he lost faith and he said, we thought we were going to die. And then he realized something. Revelation came. He said, but this is why it happened. This happened so that we would not rely on ourselves. Listen to what Paul's saying. Got a revelation from God. God allowed this trouble and the trouble was so significant that Paul said, this is it. I'm not getting out of this one. This is the one. This is the big one. I'm going to die here. And then Paul had a revelation. You know why this happened? You know why God let it go that far? Because God saw something in me that wasn't right. I was trusting in myself. And God saw that and said, let it go further. 
Let it go to the point where he recognizes there's no hope for him. He can't get himself out of this one. And what happened, Paul got to the point where he was empty of himself and he turned to God. And God said, that's what I've been waiting for all along. See, I don't want you to rely on yourself. I want you to trust in me. And brothers and sisters, again, let me make sure you understand. In this current crisis that we're in, we need to walk in wisdom. We need to be wise. That's, and, and that's, we can't put wisdom aside and, and be foolish and say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want because God's going to deliver you. That's not wise. We want to follow God's counsel. But in this crisis that we are in, this global crisis, our trust cannot be in our president, our Congress. Our trust cannot be in doctors. Our trust has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, if he sees our confidence in anything else, he will strip it all away. Because he wants you and I to get to that point where we recognize he's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our provider. Everything that we need, we find in him. And I am so thankful, and I know that you are too, that we have a God who sits on the throne of heaven. That, that eradication of a virus is an easy thing for God. Watching over us and protecting us is an easy thing for God. Worship team, if you would come, please, to prepare to help me. God wants us to have our confidence, our trust in him and him alone. And when we can do that, brothers and sisters, then, when we, then we, we wind up recognizing I'm trusting God for my salvation. I'm trusting God for my sanctification to transform my life. I'm trusting God to, to help me to navigate the issues of life, to guide me where I, so that I make the right decisions at the right time. And I'm trusting God to protect me and deliver me when, that, when I need that. And if I can have a confidence in God in those circumstances, how many believe we'll be successful as believers? We'll have a successful Christian life because our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just close with this final thought. Make sure that your confidence is not in man. Make sure that you never, ever put your confidence in me. Listen to me. I am just a man just like you. I'm flesh and blood. I have weaknesses just like you have weaknesses. No one should ever be put on a pedestal. That place belongs to one person and one person alone, Jesus Christ. Your confidence should not be in me, not in the leadership council. Your confidence shouldn't be in this church. Put your confidence in Jesus Christ. Why? I will fail you. I don't want to fail you, but because I'm human just like you, we all fail in one way or another, at, all, at one time or another. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, if our confidence is on him, he will never fail us. He will always be faithful to guide us, to transform us, to provide for us, to deliver us. Stand with me, please.